I would be so depressed if I was a Labour member. Like, you just no hope. There, there is no hope. I would sign out of politics for the next 10 years. So, so what about you as a Tory? Why don't you want to sign out of politics, even though... This I don't know how many times I have to tell you I'm not a Tory. Tory, Corey, why are you see even your name rhymes with Tory? Yes, and I have, a, I have a friend I think who... not. I have a friend who for the past 10 years loves calling me Corey the Tory. Um, or no, no, Tory. just just Tory. Calling me Tory. I'm, I'm not. I'm going to do I'm that. Not. No, Tory. no, please don't. Please don't. It's so annoying. People, people at uni used to do that. It was so annoying. Somebody. Corey somebody... the Tory. Welcome to the Not Bane podcast, your weekly rundown of UK politics from a black millennial view. Every Sunday, join Corey and me, Bay, your resident centre lefty, as we look at Parliament, the headlines and stories from across the pond and the diaspora. So, Corey, it's your weekly PMQs section. Lay it down on us. Sorry, I'm excited. Go on. Because I watched a bit today, this week as well. Yes, <laughs> as you text me and you're like, are you watching? Are you watching? I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm busy. <laughs> I watched Life, it later. You don't have a life. Please, I'm very busy, man. Anyway, um, yes, I did, of course, do my weekly tune-in, <clears throat> even if it was on catch-up, to the, the, the Bojo Keith show. And then the sideshow of Bojo and, Bojo and Black. Week. <clears throat> Boris was, was getting hot was, under his was, sweaty little collar. It was, it was. To be honest, I'll go straight to question six. For those who don't know, and for those who have lives and have never watched Prime Minister's Questions, Prime Minister's Questions starts off with the leader of the opposition asking six questions to the Prime Minister, and then random MPs ask questions after that. So usually I go, you know, question one, question two, question three, all the way down to six. However, I'm going to start off with question six because that was when Boris got, Boris was vexed. Boris mm-hmm, was, was vexed. vexed. I, I've His been watching. was flying in the wind and all sorts. Serious. So I've been watching Prime Minister's Questions since what? Maybe about 2010, before Brown, before Cameron? About 10 years, 10, 12 years, since uni times. Anyway, I have never seen any any minister, any anybody, any MP as angry as I saw Boris this week. That last question got him riled. I would definitely, we're gonna, I'll link, we'll link to it in the show notes. Definitely have a look at it, even just that bit. He was he was mad. Um, so much, so much so that the speaker, after he'd finished his last answer, the speaker was like, okay, let's all calm down now. I love his accent. He's a proper northerner, the speaker. Um, because, it, yeah, it got, got very tense. So as you can imagine, if you have been paying a cursory attention to the news this week, the questions were around, you know, all of the latest scandals to be hitting the prime minister, uh, mainly focused this week on who paid for your flat, Boris? And did you really say, I'd rather let the bodies lie Pile high? high. Pile My, high. Pile high, yes, pile high. Mm-hmm. So those were the two things that Keir Starmer pushed him on. The first couple of questions were, well, the first question was a very direct, dare I say, forensic. <laughs> I know you love your boy being forensic. Uh, very Indeed. forensic, asking, asking Boris, did you say it? So, Did you say you would rather let the bodies pile high than enforce another lockdown? <clears throat> to which Boris said, no, he did not say it. Uh, Second question then, Keir Salmer said, the ministerial code means that if you mislead parliament, you have to resign. So I remind the prime minister to think carefully about the answer he just gave or something like that. Anyway, he moved on from it. So that's basically boxing him in. Very clever because he boxed him in. He got him on the record saying yes or no. Did you say it? And he said no. And he followed up with saying, 
Well, if you lied, you're supposed to resign. So if it does come out when Dominic Cummings, uh, if he does have these secret recordings, and if it is on tape with Boris saying this, mm. then you're going to be in a sticky position. Anyway, he moved on from that then to ask him about the flat. That was the other big story this week. You know, um, the, the the flat above number, not number 10, number 11, Downing Street, number where 11. Boris and Carrie and, and little, is it Wilfred, live? Yeah. Um, where they live something like that wilfred wilfred so they have yeah so so um there was a big renovation on that this year apparently carrie simons the first fiance boris's fiance did not like the john lewis furniture left behind by theresa may and so they had many people took umbrage to they said john lewis you think you're better than john lewis wow big british institution you know i know there's only one if the only only it would have been only worse if they said Marks and Spencers. They disparaged the great names of name of MS. So the question is, you know, um, it cost 50 odd grand, and there's been a lot of stories saying that that money came from a Tory donor. And it cost <clears> more than 50 odd grand, didn't it? So, uh, yes, there was a 58,000 pound, wasn't it? Two, 200 or 300,000. Mm, there was a 58,000 pound donation to the Conservative Party by this person called Lord Brownlow. And so there are questions mm-hmm. now whether that money went to Boris to fix up Downing Street. Yes. So if that hasn't been disclosed, there are potential crime, well, potential misdeeds, potential crimes, perhaps, because if things, you know, if you give, if you receive gifts as a politician or as a political party and they're not declared the right way, if the right taxes are not paid on them, blah, 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 then, you, you know, you, you could be uh, in legal jeopardy. So that were the last few questions were pummeling on, on you know, did he pay for it? Did you pay for it? But the big thing here is Boris now has said he, um, he Boris definitely paid money for it. The question is, did he pay back a loan or did he cough up the, the check at the time of the renovation? Because again, if it was a loan and he paid it back, still in problems because it should still be declared and all of that mess. What do so, you think actually happened? I think of all of these two stories, the big two stories here, the whole bodies piling high comment, even though it's been widely reported, Robert Peston, who's the you know ITV's politics guy, says he has it on good record that it was actually said. There's three been three sources, no? Yeah, there are sources there. The only thing is, John in in Prime Minister's questions this week, yeah, Johnson, yeah, Bojo, kind of batted that one away. He's like, no, I didn't say it, and it seemed quite. But the question about the flat, that's the one that got him angry. So that got me thinking, he's touched a nerve here. So of the two stories, I'm thinking, hmm, maybe the flat one is true. Maybe everything isn't quite above board there. And maybe the maybe the body's piling high one, maybe he didn't say it. Or or he's so or confident. No, he thinks that yeah, that there's no evidence. So confident that that beyond a couple of people who are now still anonymous and probably might remain anonymous. So mm. even if he did say it, there's no proof. So maybe that maybe that's it as well. But you know, um, again, pushing again on cronyism and and do the public need a better uh, a better a better person as prime minister you know the standard kind of questions you know <clears throat> what again i resent is i get out I, re- I i resent when politicians try and tell each other what the public wants to hear because mm-hmm. you know boris went on his thing where you know the public don't want to talk about this the public don't want to hear about this and i was watching it thinking hello i'm public i want to know i want to know definitely want to know like i think I it's really important on. to point I think it's really important to point out as well that um, the Prime Minister receives a £30,000 allowance for renovations 
on their private re on the on their residence every single year. Thirty thousand pounds. That is also an important. I think that is something that needs to be pointed out alongside that as well. Thirty thousand pounds every yeah. year. And listen, I I think that if you look at if you look at comparable residences for other world leaders, right? The president of the United States lives in the White House. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the president of France lives in the Elysee Palace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, Boris isn't the head of state, but at the end of the day, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's a head, he is the head of government, and, and really, our head of but state. He's is, not the head of, but he's not, not the head, head of state. state. But he is. So the, the head queen of lives in the palace, and he's the, the head of state. But he is running the show. I ain't saying he needs to move into Windsor Castle, but not the, the, no, no, no. But also, sorry, as one let thing. Let me, no, but let me finish. Accommodation above mm -hmm. Downing Street is not great, apparently. By all, I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's probably better okay. than a lot of people live in. Turn it down, then. You turn relatively, it down. relatively speaking, relatively speaking, it's not amazing. So, I am all for you know. Joking. No, no. These are offices, and it's Joking. the same for me. It, for me, it's the same debate when it comes to Buckingham Palace, and people are like, "Oh, why is so much money being spent on Buckingham Palace?" But these are official buildings of the state. That's where yes, I look at it. Yes, and he gets thirty thousand pounds every year. Or they should be kept to a very high standard, not because of the person who lives there, but because of the Boy. office. So that's what that's, that's where I come from in this. So hey, listen, if he's done wrong because he kept saying this week, you know, he keeps using the word I covered the cost. He said that I have covered the cost. And he said, I have met my requirements. But the thing is, him saying he's covered the cost, yeah, cool. You might have covered the cost after you got the loan, which hasn't been declared, which hasn't been paid proper taxes on, then we got a problem. So that I definitely would have a problem with that. But in terms of keeping these places up, up, you know, the upkeep, hey, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Sorry, what were you going to say? I'm severely disappointed in you. What? On, in your Are stance you on this. I think, no, but I think wait, that is an atro I think that's a terrible stance. Why? The, the flat, the that flat think, is fine. I think that, the, that, I think that the, the person flat is who fine. leaves yes, the country should be living in good quality. Well, you're asking my opinion. Okay. Let me say it. All right. So it should be in kept at a good standard Tidy, clean, good quality stuff in it. Fine. You want, to update it, you want to update it, £30,000 a year is fine. But let's also look at it at the fact that based on the size of our country, it's perfectly fine accommodation for your, your fiancé and your small baby. Hmm. Come on. They, yeah, they are in number 11. Tony Blair lived there with, with, his, with his however many children. So true. did Tony, um, David Cameron. True, 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 true. Come on now. Sorry. It's, we, have to, we have to have some sort of just discernment this is it's ridiculous it's just ridiculous like let's be real the country that we live in the size of the country that we live in the average side of the accommodations of the country that we live in ask lizzie to borrow you a palace then if that's what you lot want to do no i don't think that would be appropriate though i don't think he should be well, i don't then, think should then be that's, in a palace. he doesn't need to live in a palace you live in a decent yeah, flat in london like most other people do and you also have a second you have another residence as well Checkers, so, yeah, well, that's in the country, and it can't do government. No, but you no, but you also have a personal home too, you know. Yeah. So relax, relax. If Carrie doesn't like it, tell her to go and stay in one of the other ones then, and <laughs> visit them on the weekends. Like, come on, come on. So I, I was gonna give. So as we start, I started last week by scoring them. I was gonna give it a draw. I was gonna call it a draw, but for Boris's outburst at the end, I thought that really that that soured it. And so this week, I'm giving Keir again. I'm giving it to Keir again. So, Ooh. Keir's up too. 
two to nothing so you keep, far. Mate, keep, keep it, you're keeping score so we can have a final tally at the end. Indeed, at the end of the parliamentary season, we'll, I'll talk them Absolutely. up. Absolutely. So just before we finish, I have to talk about your guy, Ian Blackford, head of the SNP. To be honest, usually, as I've said, I don't really like his uh, SSA performance. This week, I thought mm-hmm. he did better. He was all right. And I, I'm giving this week to him as well. Last week, I, I, uh, I gave that round to, to Boris. I'm giving Blackford the win this week. He, again, asked two questions. Now, what I liked about what he did and what the Plaid Cymru leader did, did I pronounce that right? The head of the Welsh party? Anyway, Plaid Cum- yeah, Plaid Cum- they were they were very much more, they were they were a lot more direct than Keir Starmer was. Keir Starmer was, you know, couching it. Obviously, he's a lawyer. He's got to be careful. Yeah, right, 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 right. Blackford. Not a lawyer anymore, though, is well, he? But Blackford. Blackford. the opposition party. Blackford basically said, um, so there are sources here, um, you know, I'm not saying you're a liar, but you're a liar. What happened? That's basically what he did. He So Blackford and the other person from Plaid started from the premise of, okay, you did it. Why did you do it? As opposed to Keir was like, Keir's, Keir, Keir was more, sorry, Keith. Keith was more, did you do it? Whereas they were, okay, you did it. Do you think it was good that you did it? So I thought that was ballsy. I liked it. I liked what mm-hmm. he did. I liked what the lady from Plaid did. Similar kind of line of questioning. You know, she said, she just said, what happens when a prime minister goes rogue? So she's just assuming it from the from the jump. Ballsy. Um, it almost Blackford almost got a censure because you know you can't say certain things about other MPs in Parliament. But he kind of stopped. He stopped just even short if it's of, true. Well, he stopped just short of calling Boris a liar. So, a liar. Yeah. so the Speaker intervened and said, "Yes, it was in order, but it wasn't savoury." This week, the London mayoral elections takes place along with all the other mayoral elections in the country but go ahead tell us about all the people who you will be choosing between to vote for your next leader so we have a bunch of people uh running for the mayor of london city i'm gonna obviously give us a quick um overview of the top four parties and then you know I'll list their names and maybe a line or two about them. Obviously, there's the incumbent, Sadiq Khan, for Labour. His main uh, goals and policies, his major policies, are freezing transport fares. Um, He's talked about reducing the uh, congestion zone times because, obviously, it's been expanded to every day, 7 to 10. So he's talking about rolling that back. Because ah. I think quite a few people are annoyed about that. Better um, that do it by the time came, I drive down next. That obviously came into play based on the agreement that was made with the Conservative government because TfL would require the bailout. Um, he's also talked about a jobs drive because lots of people have lost their jobs during the last lockdown. Tourism investment and more so, easier support for small businesses. Then there's Sean Bailey uh, for the Conservative Party. You know, I'm sure a lot of us have heard his gaffes over the past six months. I won't go over those again. But his uh, major policy goals are reducing knife crime, increasing policing and increasing the amount of stop and search in the city. He's also talked about um, building 100,000 shared ownership homes at the price of £100,000. I, I mean, increasing stop and search is an insane goal, but sure, Sean, whatevs. Um, I have a question about that. I know you're going to keep yeah. going through the candidates, but just a quick one on Sean. That 100,000, is that 
the price he, he wants to sell them at or the price he wants them to be uh, the cost to build price, them. the price that he wants to sell them at oh okay I know interesting um, there is Louisa Porritt for the Liberal Democrats she uh, her major policy goals seem to be I can't really find that many something about the EU are they still doing that? Like, are they still trying to get us back into the... I don't know if they're specifically trying to get us back into the EU, but I'm trying to find some I mean, info. They can't... Uh, uh, poor Lib Dems. <laughs> but to be fair, she got the nomination after the previous person who was supposed to be running got suspended following allegations of anti-Semitism. So uh, that so might be a, a bit thin. Yeah, but her priorities, yeah... Her, her priorities are better jobs and cleaner air and more homes. Pretty generic, to be honest. I mean, a lot of that stuff is run-of-the-mill stuff that people that Londoners want, you know, more homes. But affordable homes, which is key, not just more homes. That doesn't, that doesn't solve the problem. It's not about the number of houses, it's about the cost of the houses. Then there's Sean Berry for the Green Party. She's run a few times now. She wants to reserve, reverse cuts to the youth services, obviously climate emergencies in the, in the city, you know, making it greener, um, encouraging the use of LTNs and more protections for renters, which I think is something that is definitely needed in the city because anyone is renting out, you know, a garage with a toilet at this point, it's getting a bit of a joke. There is Peter Gammons from UKIP, in the spirit of um, fairness, like the BBC, I'll give you his major policies, which is more police, less LTNs, which are low traffic neighborhoods. It's where they've been cutting off all the side roads, like, so you can't drive down them anymore. So they're pushing all the, the cars out onto the main roads, which at first I was against as somebody who drives, but actually, even though there is more traffic, I think, I think they do serve a purpose in that it is good for, the local side roads, we would be able to walk on them and cars are not driving up and down them using as rut ramps. And obviously, you know, I mean, this idea that kids are going to be playing in the street, I think it's not realistic. That's not how we live anymore. But it is useful, you know, that we can have walkable high streets. I think that's nice. It's lovely. When I walk down high street and it's not full of cars. And he also is about more affordable housing as well. There's why are no they spots. a thing? Why, why are they still a thing? Even at a local level, why are they still a, like... What, what's the point? Affordable housing? No, UKIP. <laughs> like, oh. what? <laughs> like, their purpose oh. has been served, and even more so locally. Like, what? Why? <laughs> oh. People are just trying to ting, innit? Seeing what sticks. Lawrence Fox. Do we have to? His policy is to unlock, lock, um, unlock London and get us out of lockdown. He's been described as essentially the candidate of UKIP for culture. Uh, he wants to take a New York approach to crime. And I'm thinking if he's talking about the sort of broken windows policing that was brought in under, was that Giuliani? Or was it Bloomberg? Right. I mean, New York. Remember police. broken windows policing? Yeah. I mean, I mean New, York, New York police, police but, is notorious for being extremely aggressive. So. But they famously have had a massive reduction in violent crime since the, the bad days of, you know, of sort of 30 years ago. 
although but that was the whole country was no 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 New York, but New York specifically have had a massive reduction in violent crime over the past sort of 25 30 years so maybe that's what he means and if he does mean that I mean you know London does have a knife crime problem I'm, I'm not saying he's the person to solve it I'm just saying it is a good goal sure you you know again we serve balance here supposedly so sure why not be pro you can be pro loza I'm not against it. Whoa, 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 no, I'm not letting that stand. I am not pro that guy at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anywho, moving swiftly on, uh, Count Binface, I just think he's fun. He wants to rename a bridge. <laughs> he wants to move the hand dryer in he... pub toilets <laughs> to a more useful place. For crying out loud, isn't he the guy who dresses up as some sort of weird Dalek? Every, he's every, a, all the time, every single he's election. He's a man with a bin over his head. Count bin face. Oh, Focus. Oh, he wants to encourage oh, masks all the time, not just during lockdown, which I also support. <laughs> and he wants to talk. What? And he wants to, uh, he wants to um, get London into the EU. Oh, go away. Have we got any more <laughs> serious candidates? Or, all, or serious candidates? There's also? Piers Cor- Corbyn for uh, Let London Live. Would, he wants Jeremy... to end all lockdown. He opposes <laughs> vaccine passports and stop the extension of the ultra-low emission zone. I mean, he's also I... known for being anti-climate change. He doesn't he's... believe in it. Who's who's Jeremy going to vote for? Is he going to vote for his brother or Sadiq? Who do you think? Why do you? Why are you guys all so obsessed with Jeremy Corbyn? Leave him alone. He's you being just, an excellent his leader brother, in his local area. Because his brother is running for mayor of London. Who you What's that got to do with him? What's his brother? What's going to do with him? And. So everyone has a brother sometimes. What's that got to do with them? I'm Leave know who he's Jezza vote for. alone. He's, he's minding his own business. It's private. Voting is private, so mind yeah. your own business. There's Mandy Reid from the Women's Equality Party. I quite enjoy them. Um, her main priorities are ending violence against women, more affordable um, childcare for all, and, a, and investing in care-led recovery, which I think is important. And also, yay affordable childcare. And then I'm just going to go over, there's a few, there's Vanessa Hudson from the Animal Welfare Party. I assume her stuff is about animal welfare and plant-based diets. You mean Nims you've not had gay. good research into Emma something? You're not, you're not. I mean, I have, but I, you know, in the and interest of time, <laughs> okay, in the interest right. of time, I'm just going to list them. Nimza Bungay, independent, about COVID business recovery. Uh, Kam Balayev from the Renew Party, which is a centrist political party. It opposes Brexit. Uh, Max Foss, independent. He is a YouTuber. <sighs> Stephen... <laughs> oh, actually, he's got one good one, which is making every carriage on the DLR the front carriage, which I think is funny. And filling the Thames with sparkling water. Um, Stephen Kelleher from the Social Democratic Party. Uh, Valerie Brown from Burning Pink, Richard Ewison from Rejoin EU, which I think is probably, you know, obvious, uh, Farah London Independent, David Curtin from the Heritage Party, uh, Nico Omilana, which is also a YouTuber, Brian Rose from the London Real Party, and that is, I believe, all of them. Wow, so inspiring. Imagine being a Londoner. Glad I'm not. I mean, on the one hand, I want politics to go back to, you know, 1785, where you had a lot more, a lot more, a lot less 
party politics and there were a lot more independence in parliament and yeah i love that yes that because period. it was only bloody landowners that were okay. allowed to vote so i think that having amongst your list of about 20 the fact that about half of them if not more are independent candidates i think that's a great that's thing good. chimes yeah. with me it's what i like but then at the same time what because you're because you're what because i too am an independent no because you're i too am an independent yes because i too am an independent um, as a tory please however 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 on the flip side there's just mm-hmm. such a lack of imagination in all of the main main policies that these people are coming out with whether Absolutely. they are just whether they're independent whether they're independent or whether they're on a, a part of a party there's just there's there's no where's the imagination rejoin the eu okay cool lot end lockdown uh guys lockdown's ending in like five weeks mate um, exactly it's just it's just and then you know sean bailey you know 100 grand houses in london please can't get 100 grand houses in, in newcastle <laughs> you get 100 grand houses in london good luck it doesn't sound realistic <laughs> does it it's like what i mean it's a serious issue i don't want you know that. i'm laughing but it's a serious issue but it's just silly. it's very much a serious issue like, it's just i mean who are you going to vote for or are you going if you want to disclose that is i don't want to disclose that um disclose i don't believe in secret ballots disclose it <laughs> why don't you disclose I'll tell you who I'm voting for in Manchester. You tell me who you're voting for in London. Who are you voting for in Manchester? Uh, we'll, when we come to that, we'll discuss it. Who are you voting for? All right, then. I'm not telling. It's private. Okay, who do you think's going to win? I mean, okay. Just Sean Bailey. Question. Yeah, sure question. Sadiq's going to win. <laughs> however, however, however. Have been faced. All right, let me, let, me, let, me, let me phrase that a bit more intelligently. Why do you think Sadiq is going to win beyond incumbency? I didn't say it that. Can't just, I mean, you no, think he's going to win. I said Sean is. Bailey. Oh, no, come on, let's be serious. Sadiq Khan is going to win. I am. Um, okay. Yes, he's got incumbency on his side. That's always a good thing. That's always a, a, a boom. If you, you know, if you're the current sitting of anything, you you know, you're likely, you, you've got a, um, a yeah. You, <laughs> but why do you think, apart from that, there's got to be more to it than that. Why? Because all of the others can't get the airtime and their policies are not cutting through. Because his and policies all- are not. And that imaginative, so it's no, not a policy not. thing. So why it can't just be incumbency? Why is it? Why are they so? I think far it is behind? incumbency. I think no, the same it, thing happened with um, Boris Johnson. It was incumbency. But they're so far behind. That like his closest. Yes, because Sean is Bailey's Bailey. garbage. Yeah, yeah. So wh- okay, that's the thing. So Bailey's his closest rival, and he is so far behind. Why? Because Sean Bailey is not good. That's literally it. I mean, we did discuss a few weeks ago, and I buy into it that um, I buy into it the theory that the the only reason that the Conservatives have put Sean Bailey as their their face for the London Mayor campaign is just because they gave up. Um, so you don't I, you think know, that Sean Bailey's going to get? Um, you don't think Sean Bailey's going to get a safe seat in a couple of years? No. No. Okay. I, I, they they've deliberately they gave up, and so they thought, okay, who do we put there? Ah, Sean. Right, Sean, you go for it. I, I, I don't 100% think they expected buy him to be that. this. I don't think they expected him to be this bad, to be honest. You didn't? Well, mm-hmm. well, they've not helped him because, as I said a few weeks ago again, like, does he have a team around him? Does he have any kind of. Yeah, he had a team. He just can't keep his mouth staff? closed. Well, competent staff should be able to keep, you know, keep, unless you're Donald Trump. I mean, even Donald Trump's staff managed to shut him up sometimes. So I don't sometimes. buy it. Well, yeah, well, seems like Sean isn't stopped at all. Oh, well, good luck. (laughs) So as we've said this week, 
brings us the delayed local elections. Mm -hmm. Of course, we do have local elections, <laughs> even though you wouldn't know it because they are like just ignored. Uh, we have local elections every year at the start of May. Uh, yes. In but last year we didn't. It got they all got cancelled due to the pandemic. COVID. Indeed. Mm -hmm. So we've already had a had a little look at the London mayor elections. Yes, we have. Chances of hopefully Uncle Sean coming through and winning there. Yeah, and hopefully he does. No, you don't. <laughs> you hope he you gets don't chanced. Know my life. You hope, <laughs> okay. you hope he gets chanced. Anyway, enough of London and let's go north. And this actually, I want to I want to moan. I want to invoke northern privilege. Um because we are gonna talk a, a little bit about you know Red Wall and a Labour coming back, you know, we're going to talk about the standard talking points. But the mm -hmm. first thing I want to talk about is this concept of the Red Wall. And often Do from it. you Southerners, you always talk about it from a perspective of a Northern Red Wall. Mm -hmm. When the Red Wall isn't simply Northern, it, yes, encompasses, north. it encompasses the North, West and East. Okay, cool. You can call us all the North in that context. Fine, I won't complain about that. What I am moaning about is the fact that a lot of this so-called Red Wall exists in the West Midlands. Birmingham, Dudley, and all them spots there, Londoners, that's what not the North. What am I going to say to you? That's no, not the North. Go. That's not the all North. All right, here we go. <laughs> no, 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 but it's, it's annoying as a Northerner. It's not the North. So if you want to talk about the Red Wall, fine, talk about the Red Wall. But the Red Wall stretches from the Midlands to the North. It's not just the North. Anyway, that moan over. Because <sighs> you lot just think anything North of, the, of Watford is the North, don't you? Yes, we do because in from based on where we are, the northerly direct and things in the northern direction are north. I the same say, way that things northern from you are also north. No, but we like, don't call be it realistic. The north. No, but we don't call that. That's the north. Sounds like that sounds like a personal problem. Maybe you start should start. Anyway, I do I do like though. Every time I leave London, leaving Brent, hitting on the M1, and I see that sign that just oh says, god, stop talking about the motorway. It says the north. It just makes me feel warm inside. Anyway, um, where should we start? <laughs> we spoke about Hartlepool last week. I will briefly speak yes, about is. Hartlepool just in the context of local elections because that is one of these places that Labour is trying to win back Absolutely. this week. Um, because, you know, you lot and your party have really struggled. Stop saying you lot and your party. <laughs> is it not your party, it's not, though? It's not my... I don't okay, know why right, you're right, saying right. that. It's not my party. Are the Tories your party? No. Um, okay, so maybe it's you, Kip. <laughs> no chance. Anyway, um, so Hartlepool is a great example of where Labour are really trying to make inroads in the local elections this week. So Hartlepool, ever since it became so Hartlepool, oh, let me just draw back a bit. So Hartlepool are also having a by-election for their local MP. So in addition yes. to all of the local elections, they're having like a you know an MP election too because the previous one resigned or quit, whatever. No matter. That's by the by. So they have never had a Labour, uh, they've always had Labour MPs for as long as that constituency has existed. And now you've got like the co-chair of the Conservative Party who is doing door-to-door -door knocks up there. She said herself, you know, 20 years ago, we wouldn't even be having this conversation is what she said, <laughs> you yeah. know. So this is a place that had Peter Mandelson, who's that big Labour figure from the 90s and noughties. You know, he won like 61% of the vote in 1997. Ooh. This is like Labour Heartlands, classic example of all these places that Labour are really struggling in and you know the, the the fear on that side is that it's going to translate into pretty poor showing in the local elections this week now the local elections a lot of the time you would expect the party in opposition to actually do well 
because you yes. know you've got, whoever's whoever's the government you expect them not to do well in the local elections or to, or not to do amazingly and it looks like it might be the opposite this week however this is what every, oh, so okay. this is what everybody's been saying this is what all of the pundits have been saying this week you know basically that and you know a lot of labor insiders giving up the ghost already thinking they're going to get yeah. trounced however i read it's today seeming, yeah it's seeming a lot less likely the sunday times of all places had a piece today Your favorite paper saying that tory poll lead narrows so latest polls are showing that mm-hmm. the, the the labor have actually caught up a long way um, yeah, they have now, actually. There's now one percentage point in it in terms of mm-hmm. sort of the national poll. Obviously, this is a national poll. You know, you got to break it down on a local authority level, which we don't have time for now. But all in all, what it's saying is Labour have actually closed a bit of the gap. They have. However, the thing is, and so I don't know if that's because we're closer to elections as well. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with what we were speaking about before when we were speaking about prime minister's questions. All of there's, you know, people have there's 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 less confidence in the government now. We're gonna. I'm going to insert a piece at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned to the end uh, of a radio interview this week, which I think tempers a bit of that. And it was basically somebody saying, you know, I don't really care if Boris got 58 grand for the flat. It's not really that big big of a deal. And I think that is um, something that's widely felt. I don't think it's going to make a massive impact on his chances long term, but it's clearly making... specifically because it's Boris or... If it's just because people don't care in general, in general, do you think this would be? Do you think that this would be the same? People would have the same thoughts if it was Jezza? No, I just think people don't care. I think we're in a minority, and people who are listening to this podcast are in a minority, like in terms of okay. having that much interest in politics. It just is what it is. Um, but I think it is having some effect. Don't get me wrong, and I think that's helping Labour, you know, close a bit of this gap. The thing is, though, a lot of the votes have been already cast because people vote by post as well as on the day. So yes, it might have an effect come next Thursday when we're actually voting in person. But people who have already voted in by post, mm. you know, it might not actually make that much of a difference. So that's that. So, you know, you've got the local elections this week. We've spoken about London since I am in England's second city by Birmingham. Um, I thought I'd just uh, add in a little bit about the Greater Manchester because we also have a mayor in Greater Manchester. Supposedly. Currently it's Andy Burnham. Actually, no, I do like Andy Burnham. I Andy like Burnham. I mean, yes, it's interesting. Both of the two major cities have Labour MPs who were once, sorry, have Labour mayors who were once Labour MPs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, and like London with Sadiq Khan, almost certainly likely to win again. Andy Burnham is probably going to be my mayor next Friday as well. <clears throat> but we don't quite have as many candidates as you do. We've got 10. So we've got, <laughs> we've got, you know, we've got the standard. We've got Andy, who's Labour. We've got Conservative, somebody called Laura Evans, who I've not heard of until last week when a little leaflet came through my door. Um, we've got Green, a couple of independents, Lib Dem, and then Reform. That's actually a good point. I haven't received any uh, literature other than from the Women's Equality Party. And right. I usually get Labour canvases on my doorstep. But yeah. nothing. So now. that, so that's the next thing I, want, I wanted to actually talk about. Like, I personally... Don't know who I'm not so much. I don't know who I'm voting for. It's more. I thought you said that you did. It's more so that I I've not been given beyond my own. You have to go out there and actually look. They're they're, they're not doing any work, and it's interesting you saying that you felt the same in London because I was gonna. I'm wondering, is this just a Manchester thing? Like I've had a little leaflet through the door. I think I had that Conservative MP Laura Evans. I I think, or maybe I might have even seen a poster. Might have even a leaflet. But apart from that, I got a little generic thing, which was probably from the council, non-political, you know, the elections are coming, in addition to your polling card. I've had nothing else. Nothing, yeah. I know it's not I mean, I'm trying to find out the Liberal Democrat mayoral mayoral candidate. 
I didn't have any information. It's not even come through in terms of like in my general news, what I read weekly. Nothing's really come through online, nothing on Twitter. I knew Sean Berry was running. I didn't know, I didn't know the the Lib Dem person at all. I've had nothing. I, they just don't care. Like, so what I did was I Googled Andy Burnham. Now this guy, now considering Andy has been the mayor of Manchester for the past four years, I Googled really? Andy Burnham. First page on Google. I'm expecting to find, okay, yeah, a Wikipedia page, link to his Twitter, some maybe a news article from this week. And then I'm also expecting to find a link to his website. Does Andy have a website? <laughs> Does he, what? There, there was no website. There was no website. Don't these guys don't have any SEO people or anything? So then I'm thinking, see, here's the thing. I'm thinking SEO for those who, oh, you know, can't we just be using these acronyms like that? Nobody knows what SEO means. SEO basically is like how you enable your results to be at the top of search engines. So I'm thinking, okay, yeah, maybe he's got crap SEO guys. They don't know how to put his thing on the first page of Google. So go on Andy's Twitter mm-hmm. page. And I'm thinking, okay, no. well, I'll find his website in his bio. Mm-hmm. No, I just find it to some random other website. Like there's nothing there. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's pathetic that maybe they don't oh, have the money. They don't have the money. God, they've got the money. These are party machines. They've got some money. Like, okay, okay. yeah, local councillors are not doing. There's not much of an effort there. But there's not even much of an effort on the part of, um, on the part of you know people who are trying to be mayors of these big city regions. Mm-hmm. I just find it really sad. It's 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 an indictment on how. I mean, if you think about it from a practical perspective, why would they put much effort into it? Because who's voting? Ain't many people turning out for the local elections. So uh, you think, okay, I vote well, my locals. Yeah, but you, you, yeah, but you're 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 in the minority. So you think, okay, you know what? They're just doing it. They're just they're just acting based on the reality of of the ground. And it's like, yeah, well, you know what? I wouldn't put much effort into it either. But I think that speaks to a bigger problem of the lack of social engagement and interest in local politics which I think is quite sad. But um, how does that change? Does it change? I don't think it does. But it will be interesting to see, because obviously on some level, it is going to give us a picture of where the country is at with regards to the major parties. So I think it will be interesting to see if Labour can actually, in reality, close some of that gap, because they are a long way behind. And as we said before we started recording, as I was saying to you, if I was Labour, I'd be so depressed because I just know where I see no hope for them right now because there's no they just have no message. They have no message. No, they don't. Peter Mandelson, based, no, Alistair Darling, who was the last chancellor. Basically, I was reading something in there this week in FT. He was basically saying, oh, you know what? Well, we can't really compete with the Tories because, you know, they're spending money, too. So it's not like we can say we're spending money as well. And I thought, as oh, if that's me. it. OK, it's not just about the actual. Yeah, because it's true. Rishi has you don't have any volunteers. You can't galvanize any volunteers. It's yeah. true. It's true. Rishi has opened a checkbook and just wrote blank checks this year. But at the end of the day, you could still present a picture of how you're going to spend the money. Okay, yeah, you're not going to compete and say, oh, you're spending 400 billion? Well, we'll spend 500 billion. Yeah, you can't compete. Mm. Yeah, forget it. So don't compete like that. You compete on, okay, you spent 400 billion this way. Well, guess what? We're going to spend 400 billion this way. And that's how you fight it. It's just it's so depressing. I'm so glad I'm not a Labour member because if I was, I would be depressed and I'd give up on politics. And that must be how you feel. I'm not a <laughs> Labour member. <laughs> well, next week we will probably cover the local elections and very briefly and see what they actually, what happened, if anything changed. What the results, yeah. yeah. And uh, if it actually means anything.
across the pond this week. You uh, you decided to pull your finger out and give us the across the pond section this week. Don't start, please. <laughs> I've okay. done like the past three weeks across the pond. Again, because as I said to you, you do not ever take any of my suggestions about across the pond. I mean, let's go. Anyway, so my question upon this week is about the case of the police killing of Makia Bryan in Ohio um, on the same day as the verdict on the Derek Chauvin trial came out. She called the police for some help as she was being attacked by women in some other women in her girls, sorry, in her foster home. And when the police officer arrived, he saw the altercation, saw that she had a knife and uh, shot her and she is dead. She was 16 years old. Um, we've talked about police brutality a number of times now on this podcast. And I just think to highlight again, this is clearly a crisis situation, which requires de-escalation involving a child and again the first it seems that the only reflex that the police have is to use deadly force I mean at some point it's going to be a case that we're beating the same drum over and over and over again but she was a 16 year old child in foster care who definitely deserved a lot better I don't know what's going to happen in this case to be honest I'm really unsure if there anything is going to happen Right now, there's an investigation taking place, but I am not hopeful. And I also wanted to talk about, you know, the amount of noise that we make for black girls compared to the amount of noise that we make for black boys and men. We need to be saying her name. We need to be highlighting her case. We need to be asking for justice and we need to be asking an investigation. And we need to be arguing about what de-escalation tools are being taught to the police and how they're being used and how they need to be consistently used, especially in these sorts of situations, which can be, you know, hostile situations, situations where there's altercations happening, situations where mental health might be playing a role. There was also the case this week where a, an officer over in this country was um, recently um, fired because he beat a young black disabled girl 34 times with a baton after she had been tasered, after she had flagged them down for help. So there was an issue with regards to police not having the skills or choosing not to use the skills to de-escalate situations where people are asking them for help. I mean, the way that American police are just militarized is I, dumbfounding. It's like never ceases to amaze. I, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see it changing. You know, I know it sounds really negative, really pessimistic, but it's so ingrained in the training, in the culture. How does it change? Does know. it change? You know, it's really, it's, it's crazy. Every story you read, you think they'd learn their lessons and they just don't. Or maybe it's just that they don't, there's an element I'm sure of just not caring as well. You know? Yeah. Um, that's what but, I think, that's the, the main point is at the end of the day. There's not caring, not valuing certain people's lives. If Dylan Roof can be, taken into custody alive after murdering nine people. Explain to me why this can't happen for anybody else. Why it can't happen for people of colour. Why it doesn't happen for people of colour. Yeah, and I think the, it, there, was a, there was a sort of cruel irony that it took this incident took place. It was the day that the Chauvin 
verdict was uh, yeah. released was declared, wasn't it? It was the even that mm-hmm. evening. This was, was mm-hmm. when this happened. Yeah, just so it almost speaks to a, a a narrative that it's just something that just goes around in circles, just keeps keeps happening, yeah. you know, regardless. Keeps happening. So I'm doing Thought of the Week this week, and it's about a lovely article that I read about the history of House of Feminist writings um, and how feminism has been, you know, yeah, feminism and feminist thoughts have been disseminated by um, female authors writing fiction, fictional stories, fictional poems in, over the last few years. And it, uh, it is on the republic.com, um, the Nigerian Republic, and it's called Zata Aya, History of House of Feminist Writings. And it was beautiful. And it introduced me to a number of um, house of writers. And I would recommend, it's recommended reading. And if anyone who reads or understands house, I would recommend reading some of these books. Um, I'm trying to find some, uh, translations at the moment I am struggling so if anyone has any tips that would also be great but it was just I just thought it was really really interesting about how culture can be changed not just through law but through the stories that we tell through the stories that we tell each other through the stories that are private maybe they're intra-communal stories or they're intragender and stories within the gender because you know it's women who are reading these writings as well but they're stories about freedom they're stories about leaving your husband they're stories about um leaving abusive relationships um and a lot of times they were tried um, the governments tried to censure them lots of um religious leaders came out against them and tried to get the the um, book markets closed down as well so go and read the article it's it's beautifully written and it's a beautiful read. And if you're interested in reading some feminist writings by Housewomen, I would uh, recommend the books as well. And we'll link it in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NotBamePod. That's N-O-T-B-A-M-E pod. If you've got a comment or a suggestion for a future show, email us, notbamepod at gmail.com. And if you're listening on iTunes, give us five stars. <laughs>